0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's wonderful to see you all this morning in the house of the Lord, and it's Sunday morning, 11 o'clock service, and here you are, and it's wonderful, it's wonderful to be here this morning during our Feast of Pentecost, and, um, you know, every year is different. Oftentimes, I'll teach on the historical aspects of Pentecost, specifically from the Old Testament, but this year, I felt led by the Spirit to just really focus on what happened during that first Pentecost and why it's so important. It's really important, (laughs) I say this almost every week lately, but if you were not here last night, in order to really grasp the fullness of this morning, you need to go listen to last night's message. Because last night I spoke about specifically what I want you to go and learn about is about becoming born again. You know, and, and to understand that Jesus came, and when he died and rose again, he went and spent some time with his disciples, but when he appeared to them the first time, the Bible tells us that, that he appeared to them, and first thing he said was shalom, peace, because you can imagine, he has Jesus, and they all thought that he was dead, and he's standing in front of them, and the Bible tells us that he showed them his side and his hands and the wounds, and there was no question that those disciples in that moment believed that this was the Messiah, that this was who He was, who He said He was, that He was no longer dead, but He was alive. And the Bible tells us that He took His disciples and He breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. The only other place in Scripture that we see an event like this take place is in the book of Genesis when God took man and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. You see, when Jesus blew on His disciples, we believe that they were born again. That their spirit was born again. That they were now a new creation. And the Bible tells us that if you believe with your mouth and confess, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, He's the Son of God And you truly believe with your heart and make him Lord, you will be saved. And when you get saved, something happens on the inside of you. Your spirit is born again. So it's very important that you understand that this was something extremely important that Jesus did when he came and appeared to his disciples. But what's really interesting is two things. And I must say this real quick before we move into this morning's message. If you look at the gospels, in every gospel, including the book of Acts, which is not the gospels, there is an account of John the Baptist. And and the the main reason that account is there is because the message is this, that John said that there was was one coming after him. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He said, but there's one coming after me. He said, whose sandals I'm not worthy to, to tie. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. In every account of the Gospels, we see that Jesus was the one who was coming and He would be the one who would baptize us, the church, in the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus blew in His disciples, this was not it. This was not the baptism of the Spirit. This was repentance and rebirth. These Disciples were now born again. Their spirits had been quickened. They had been given life, just like Adam. You must remember, all the animals were also alive, but God didn't breathe life into them. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? So the disciples, because of Adam's fall, were dead. We are all dead until we are born again, and life is breathed into us. And now our spirit man is new. Are you with me? So we're gonna talk about Pentecost and why it's so important this morning. I taught you last night that the Bible tells us you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. After Jesus blew on his disciples, he spent 40 days with them and he told them that they should wait in Jerusalem until they are endued with power from on high. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what he told them. They'd already, received the inf- they'd already received the rebirth. They'd already been born again. They thought they were ready to change the world, but Jesus said, No, you must first wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Wait in Jerusalem. Are you with me? Now, before I get into this, I must explain something to you. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. This is, by the way, Pentecost, but also the power of prayer, our series, part five. Isn't it awesome how God worked this out that we would be right here on Pentecost? And today's subject is entitled Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he's addressing the church. These guys are born again. They're already saved. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, small s, everybody, small s, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every person, once they are born again, has a spirit, a soul, and a body. Your spirit has been born again. When you got saved, that breath of life came into you again. You were reborn. We've all believed this. Regeneration. Are you with me? The thing is, though, is when your spirit is born again, your spirit, it's not well matured. It is still young. When you get born again, how many of you know you didn't walk out of the church service and you were, knew all things, understood all things, Knew all mysteries, secrets could quote the new King James from Genesis 1-1 to all the way at the end of the book of Revelation. You have to mature and grow. Your spiritual eyes need to still go open. You need to be able to discern spiritual things. Spiritual things can only be discerned to someone that can understand things that are spiritual because the natural man, the carnal man doesn't understand these things. So you're a tripod being, spirit, soul, body. Body is your flesh. Soul is the mind, your psyche, your mind. And the spirit is the part that's born again, that's now been entered into you, the breath of life. Now you have life again. You were dead. Now you are alive. You were lost. Now you are found. But you still have to grow. So how do you do that? I'm so glad you're asking so many questions this morning. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples, something is going to happen to you on the day of Pentecost. He said to them, you will receive, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let's go to the book of Acts and read this account. Guys, stick with me. I'm gonna give you some meat this morning, okay? We're talking about praying in the Spirit. This is one of the most powerful forms of prayer in the life of a believer Unfortunately, many people in the church reject this entirely. If you stay with me this morning, I'm going to walk you through Scripture word for word, and we're going to break this thing down, and we're going to really sort this thing out this morning. What does the Bible say about praying in the Spirit? We need to look at the first day this took place. Let's go to Acts 2, verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. So I want you to see there came a sound. There wasn't a fire, there wasn't a mighty wind. It sounded like that came in the place and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. Now watch. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Everybody look at me. Who was doing the talking? They were. Have a look at what it says. The disciples, the ones that were in the upper room, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who was doing the talking? They were. The Spirit came upon them and they began to speak. They began to speak. They were filled with the Spirit. And when they were filled with the Spirit, their Spirit began to speak. it's good stuff right there. Okay now watch verse number 5 and where and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven and when this sound occurred the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak everybody say heard them in his own language and they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear, everybody say here, each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Progea, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, adjoining serene visitors from Rome, Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear, everybody say hear, Hear. them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Everybody look at me. So I want you to understand, the Bible teaches us that there was 120 In this upper room, this rushing mighty wind comes into the room. They are all filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues. Their spirit begins to speak in tongues. While they're speaking in tongues, there's a sound that begins to shake the whole of Jerusalem. Listen, I've been there. It's chaos in that place. But suddenly there's this noise coming. And people are attracted from all over that are there to celebrate the feast that's taking place at that time, the Feast of Pentecost. And they come come up to hear what this noise is. And when they draw into this noise, they hear the 120 making a noise, making a sound. And, they, and they're able to hear while the sound is going on, that some of them are able to hear. Everybody say some of them. Are able to hear them glorifying God, worshiping God, praising God. They're able to hear this. Are you with me? Unfortunately, not everybody was excited about it. And the Bible tells us, it says in verse 13, others mocking said they are full of new wine. So what was the problem? The problem was speaking in tongues. The problem was they arrived on the scene and heard them praying Some people were able to hear their own languages, were rejoicing, this was amazing. Others are looking at this and saying, these people are crazy. They are drunk with new wine. What's the issue? The issue is tongues. I want you to know that the issue hasn't changed. The issue today is still tongues. The issue is exactly the same. Let's read further, see what it says. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. in the morning. So he says to them, listen, He gets up. This is Peter, guys. This is the guy that denied Jesus just a little while ago that suddenly has this boldness and he's about to say, listen, this is not what you think it is. This is not out of order. Oh. But this is that. He said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall see dreams. So all of a sudden, he puts two and two together. I don't know how he figured this out. Maybe he read the scripture the day before. I don't know. Or maybe when he was filled, Like Jesus told them, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. When he got up, the Holy Spirit brought remembrance, the Scripture. He knew exactly what to say. He knew exactly what was going on, and I'm gonna prove it to you this morning. Something was happening. The church had become alive. Jesus gave them the breath of life, but what was still an infant and needed to be matured now suddenly was filled. Oh, it's good stuff. Amen. Tongues. The big problem to the church today. So what does the Bible really say about tongues? Tongues. Let's go and have a look this morning. And let's have a look at what the Scriptures say, not what some say. Is that okay? You see, Paul knew that this would be an issue. So he gives us a clear teaching on tongues in the church and how it's supposed to work. And while he gives us instruction on it, he also shows us just how powerful it really is. Now watch this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse number one. Remember, this is meat this morning. All right? Hang with me. Don't let anybody leave, okay? <laughs> I told you at the beginning of the series, some of you are looking at me with great fear in your eyes. Don't worry. You'll be fine. Amen? Today's message will change your life forever. I guarantee you. Amen? Amen? Now watch. First Corinthians 14, verse number one. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Everybody look at me. Don't read the screen. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now, if I speak in tongues, who am I speaking to? So the purpose of tongues primarily is between me and God. Are you with me? The primary purpose for tongues is for the individual to speak to God. Not for anybody else. And the Bible tells us that. Put it back on the screen. Watch. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. Everybody look at me. Who understands me when I speak in tongues? No No one. Does that mean that maybe someone from another country will understand? No, it says no one. No one understands when I speak in tongues, but I'm speaking to God, not to man. That's why no one understands. Because I'm not speaking to man, I'm speaking to God. However, that's not me, that's the Bible. In the spirit, small s, my spirit, he speaks. Mysteries. What is a mystery? A mystery is the Greek word that means secret or mysteries, hidden things. So when I speak in tongues, I don't speak to man, I speak to God. No one understands and I'm actually speaking mysteries, secrets. The Bible tells us, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for him. The only way certain things can be understood is if they're understood spiritually. But the natural mind doesn't understand them. So God made a way, knowing that we would try and figure everything out, that he could speak to our spirit From his spirit. When I pray in tongues, when I speak in tongues, I do not speak to man, I speak to God, for no one understands him. But I want you to know something, however, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So it's important. Because how many of you know there are so many Christians walking around that have absolutely no idea why they are here? They don't realize that they have purpose. Oh, Pastor Alex, how do I get my spirit to mature? Well, it's easy. The Word and praying in tongues. Amen. Come on. Don't get mad at me. I'm going to prove it. Because when I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying the secrets, the hidden things. For I knew you long before you were formed in your mother's womb and ordained you a prophet to the nations. That was God giving the prophet a secret. You don't hear the voice of God like that primarily. You hear in your inner man, in your spirit. So the way that you get that is to begin to mature and to be able to hear your spirit. So when you're praying in the spirit, you hear what the spirit is saying. Now watch. Okay, I'm going ahead of myself. Next verse. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So prophecy in a church service makes more sense because if I'm praying in tongues, I'm being edified. I'm speaking mysteries. I'm only speaking to God. But prophecy, the whole church is edified. The whole church receives... Strength. If I give a prophecy to, to, to Pastor Brian, I say, you know, the Lord says, Brian, that you know, you're gonna do this and you're gonna do that. I don't wanna do it because I'll just now really start prophesying. And so, and, you know, I say all the time, you know, and what happens is he becomes strengthened. He becomes built up. And the congregation is edified by me praying for him. Are you with me? When I pray in tongues, the only one edified is me. But when I prophesy, the whole church is edified. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Next verse. But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So when you're praying in tongues, you are building up. The word edifies means to build up. How do you grow your spirit, men? How do you increase your spiritual capacity? By edifying yourself. How do you edify yourself? Praying in the Spirit. How do you pray in the Spirit? Pray in tongues. We'll get there. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. So prophecy in a church service is more beneficial than speaking in tongues. Because speaking in tongues edifies the congregation. Speaking, I mean, prophesying edifies the congregation. Speaking in tongues edifies me if I speak in tongues. Next verse. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Everybody look at me. He's told you that when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. Now he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. He's not saying this because he wants you to just go after the next part. Everybody's looking there. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to look at me. (laughs) The word wish in the Greek could also be translated want. So I want you to all speak in tongues. But you see, the point is he's talking to a church that is actually moving quite a lot in the gifts of the Spirit and is quite mature already. And he's trying to teach them that, listen, tongues is something that you should already know about. I want you all to do this. I wish you would all pray in tongues, but I actually want you to prophesy even more. He says, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So he's saying, listen, he says, I would rather you speak in, I would rather you prophesy, but I want you to all speak in tongues. I want you to know something. I don't know anyone who prophesies that doesn't speak in tongues. So tongues is the beginning because why? You have to develop your inner man. You do that with the word and praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. As your spirit begins to grow and mature, you become more sensitive to the spirit and your spirit. You're able to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to your spirit. Spirit speaks spirit. The natural man cannot comprehend the things of the spirit for they are foolishness to him. But the spirit discerns spiritual things. Are you with me? So then he says, he says, however, if I speak in tongues, unless he interprets. So if someone interprets tongues in a service, let's say we're in a church service. And now we're all busy worshiping. And, and, and Pastor John gets on his chair and he starts praying in tongues loud and the whole church is drawn to him. I wanna ask you a question. The first question we must ask, okay? Now he's, there's no interpretation from anybody. Is what he did demonic? Is what he did evil? If there's no interpretation, who is being edified? So what's the best thing for him to do unless there's interpretation? Pray quietly. Because there are people that don't understand this yet. But if he can interpret, then he can do it and there can be interpretation. And then Paul puts guidelines to that as well. We're not going to get into that this morning. Let's keep going. Next verse. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? This is important. I want you to see this. Now he tells you who's he talking about? He said, he says, he says, but now, brethren, if I come to you, what would he come to them as? The speaker. If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? So in other words, he says, listen, if I come into the service and I begin to pray in tongues, whatever, I'm giving you an example, please, okay? There's no benefit to that unless he begins to give you revelation afterwards unless he begins to give you knowledge afterwards or prophecy or a word from the Spirit comes and the whole teaching changes because of that praying in the Spirit. Are you with me? There's no benefit to it. There's no gain. No one benefits. If he comes in and prays in tongues and then just carries on like normal, all he did was edify himself and the congregation was in no way edified. Are you with me? Okay, next verse. Verse. Even things without life with a flute or harp when they make a sound unless they make a distinction in the sound how will it be known what is piped or played for if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound who will prepare for battle so likewise you unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand how will it be known what is spoken for you will be speaking into the air he gives an example of an instrument if an instrument goes out of order the whole band won't be able to follow he goes on and he tells Tells us that if you're speaking in tongues, basically, and no one can follow, all you're really doing is speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them are without significance. He wants you to know that all languages have significance, including this one. This one also has significance. Therefore... If I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, but he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. He's overemphasizing the fact that if you're going to want to speak in tongues in a church service, pray that you can interpret so that people can benefit from it. Now watch. Watch. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Everybody look at me. How do I pray in the spirit? By praying in tongues. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding, my mind is unfruitful. He's already told us this, but he wants to make sure you get it. When I pray in tongues, my spirit that is born again, now the baptism of the spirit came on the day of Pentecost, now they're speaking in tongues. When they pray in tongues, their spirit prays, their understanding is unfruitful. For when I pray in tongues, I speak not unto men but to God, for no one, including you yourself, will understand. However, in the spirit, you speak mysteries. Next verse. What is the conclusion? Then I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. So he's saying the conclusion is that, that I'm going to do both. I'm going to sing in the spirit, I'm going to pray in the spirit, I'm going to sing in understanding, I'm going to sing in tongues. I, 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 I'm going to do both. Are you with me? Now, to make sure that you don't think he's in any way trying to debunk tongues, watch what he does next. Go to the next verse. Otherwise, if I bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? So you must understand, if someone begins to pray in tongues, and someone who is uninformed comes in the place, place, someone who doesn't know anything about tongues, and I'm busy thanking God and praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, how will that person say amen They won't understand," he says. He says, "At your giving, since he does not understand what you say." Next verse. You, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So again, the the non-believer or the uninformed believer gets no benefit from you praying in tongues. The only one who gets benefit is you. Do you see it, guys? Next verse. Oh, this is important. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. He's just told us that in a church service, we shouldn't really be speaking in tongues because the uninformed won't understand it. But he says, yeah, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So where is this speaking in tongues for? If it's not for the church service. And if Paul literally tells us, yeah, listen, I don't think he's lying. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Where's he doing it? In the secret place. Oh. Now, let me ask you one question right here. Does tongues need to be interpreted? No. In a church service, For the sake of edification, yes. But Paul said, my understanding is unfruitful, but I do give thanks well. When I pray in tongues, I speak not to men, but to God. However, in the spirit, I speak mysteries. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Do you think that's an arrogant statement? Do you think he's trying to say, hey, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Or do you think maybe he's trying to provoke you to say to you, listen, I'm so grateful that I pray so much in tongues because this guy got more secrets and mysteries than anybody and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because he was in the secret place, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. Now watch. Next verse. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding. In other words, I'd rather come to you with a message with five words that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in tongues because tongues is edifying him, not the church. Do you see it, guys? It's pretty straightforward. Next verse. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes. But in understanding, be mature. Listen, he's saying, I want you to understand. I want you to be mature with how you handle this. Don't just say it's from the devil. Don't just say it's not for me. Be mature. Listen to what I'm trying to say to you guys. Be mature. Next verse. In the law it is written, oh, now it's about to get really good. We've only just begun. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Now he quotes from the book of Isaiah. He tells us, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. So he tells us that, listen, this is going to happen, but the church is not going to receive it. They're going to reject it. This is coming, but they will reject it. But we need to go read some more what it says in, in the book of Isaiah. Let's quickly go there. Amen. Are you guys okay? I need to show you this. This is so powerful. Are you getting something out of this this morning, guys? So he's quoting Isaiah 28, verse number 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. So he left a bit of it out. He left the part out that says that this will be your rest. This will be the place where you will be refreshed. So when you are thirsty and you need to be refreshed, this is where it takes place. Now, this sounds a little familiar. Where did we hear something like this? I'm so glad you're asking. Let's go to John 7, verse 37. Watch this now. Jesus tells us about this. Watch this. John seven thirty-seven. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If you need refreshing, come to me and drink. Are you with me? If you need to, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. This is what Jesus said. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart, out of his belly, out of his spirit, will flow rivers of living water. What is he talking about? I'm so glad you're asking. He tells us. But this is... But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Oh, my word! Oh, my word! So he's telling us that when the holy spirit glorifies you when jesus is glorified the holy spirit will be poured out and when the holy spirit is poured out you will be able to enter into this enter into this refreshing this refreshing will come out of your belly out of your spirit What do you think it is? What do you think he's talking about? He's talking about this, guys. He's saying you're going to be praying in the spirit. You're going to get refreshed. You're going to get rest. You're going to be built up. You're going to edify yourself while you're praying in the spirit. Now, watch. He says this. This is so powerful. Let's read it again. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, capital S, whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When was Jesus glorified? Jesus was glorified, we know, because I'm gonna read it to you in a minute, when he was at the right hand of the Father, after he had risen, spent time with the disciples and ascended to heaven. While Peter is giving his speech at Pentecost, he makes this statement. Watch this. Let's go to Acts 2:32. Peter's giving, he's busy speaking. This Jesus, God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. So God has now, you can see, he has the fulfillment. He poured out his. He poured out this, which you now see and hear. He says, "Let's read it again." This Jesus gave. This Jesus, God raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted, glorified to the right hand of the of, of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this, which you now see and hear. What were the people seeing and hearing? They were seeing power. They were seeing, and they were hearing what? Oh. Oh. Wow. Amen. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14. Are you okay, guys? Just hang with me. You're doing great, Amen. <laughs> I know this is a lot, but it's so important. Let's go back to First Corinthians fourteen. We'll pick it up in verse twenty-one. For in the Lord is written, "With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they would not hear me," says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are not, or, or tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Why? Because for us believers, tongues is not a sign. For us, it's a, something that we get. Because when the Holy Spirit is poured out, tongues is something that happens. It's not a sign to us. But to an unbeliever, they go, oh, what is that? To them, it's a sign. But to us, tongues is normal because When the Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, what happened? They spoke in tongues. What we see and what we hear. Are you with me? But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe, because for the more mature, prophecy is for the more mature, and even the more mature, when a prophetic word goes out, we still go, ooh, (laughs) Wow. It's a sign to us, but not tongues to us because we are more mature. If you don't believe me, watch what he says next. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and and, and all speak with tongues and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Doesn't this sound familiar? What happened on the day of Pentecost? Are these men not drunk with new wine? Peter getting up defends the case. These men are not drunk as you suppose. When people walk into church and they hear tongues, these people are crazy. The Bible tells us it's gonna happen. But where does it say anything about it being evil? No, in fact, it tells you the opposite. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. No one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. I want to know mysteries. I want to see and hear and understand the secret mysteries, the hidden things which God has prepared for those who love him long before they were even born. Let's, let's, for the sake of time, because I don't have much time, I could do a long, we could be on this for, let's go to 1 Corinthians 2, verse number one. I want to confirm this for you. I think you understand that tongues is for your edification, because you're going to speak mysteries, right? Watch this. First Corinthians 2, verse number one. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, we could preach a whole sermon right there. Now watch. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of the age who are coming to nothing. So he says, we speak wisdom. Among those who are mature. How do we do that? What does he mean when he says mature? Watch this. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a? How do we speak mysteries? We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages. There's a mystery about you. He ordained before the ages for whose glory? Oh. You see, there's something about you. God knows it. The Holy Spirit knows it. Your spirit needs to find out. It knows everything about you. How do we pray these mysteries? How do we speak these mysteries? By praying in the Spirit. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Verse 8, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of Glory. I can, I can, I can get really excited right now. Oh, let me tell you, church, there's only one person, there's only one spiritual being that doesn't want you to know that tongues is something that will activate the inner man that God has called you to be, the other man. Paul says, the other man, I'm going to be the other man. There's another man, there's another person. You are born again. You are no longer who you used to be, but you've got to tap into it. You've got to grow into it. You've got to become that. The devil doesn't want you to pray in tongues. The devil does not want you to speak mysteries which none of the rulers of this age knew for had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory because if you pray in tongues you're going to find out that there's something about you there's something about you the devil didn't realize that this was part of the plan the devil didn't realize that when he crucified, the one, a whole generation would rise up. Oh, the prophet Isaiah saw it. With men of other tongues and stammering lips, I will speak to this people. He saw it, he knew it. but the devil didn't know it. Oh, the devil didn't know it. (laughs) Go to the next verse. Oh, but I, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God prepares for those who love him. But the problem is you've got this thing between your eyes and your ears. Next verse. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Let's stop there because it's going to get too deep now. (laughs) They are spiritually discerned. God made a way. He did it perfectly, guys. Pentecost was the pinnacle. It was that was that's when the promise was fulfilled. Not when Jesus rose. That was a, a that was that was the most powerful moment for our salvation. But on Pentecost was the fulfillment, the gospel start. There is one coming after. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see, when we get saved, we do something. We repent. We ask for forgiveness. And we make him the Lord of our lives. But after that, there is something that you have to do you have to ask for the Holy Spirit. Many today in the church don't ask because they don't want to know, it makes them uncomfortable. It's foolishness to them. This is what we call a spiritual explosion. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. So let me ask you again this morning Is tongues for the church? Yes. Yes. Let me ask you question number two, because this is the big argument. Well, you know, tongues has to be interpreted. Does it? No. However, for the sake of edification in a church service, pray that you may interpret. But I don't want you to interpret my tongues. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to God. And he's showing me things. And my spirit man is growing and maturing while I seek him in the word. And while I pray in the spirit, my spirit, my inner man is maturing. Watch this. Two more scriptures and then we'll close. It's Pentecost Sunday, amen. (laughs) Jude 20. But you beloved... Building yourself up on your most holy faith. What building yourself up? Building yourself up, edifying yourself, maturing yourself. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. The problem is when it comes to this subject, people are so afraid, but they'll watch Harry Potter. Or you mess with them demons and you don't seem to worry about that. (laughs) I stepped on some toes now. That's okay. I still love you. You're not the devil because you watch Harry Potter. Don't worry. Matthew 7 verse 9. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Luke 11:13 If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly Father give the holy spirit to those who ask When did you receive the holy spirit When you got born again your spirit was reborn But if you want the holy spirit you have to ask That's why the fullness was not when Jesus blew on his disciples. The fullness was the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Peter then tries to explain this. The Holy Spirit's going through the scriptures. Joel, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy visions and dreams. How are you gonna do that? It's gotta come from your spirit. But it's just been activated and released to the church. But the church wants to reject it. That's why there's no power in the church. Because the very source of power has been rejected. That's the truth right there. I told last night how after Pentecost, these disciples went out and they, they, they were doing everything Jesus did. But we want to get theological and try to prove that we are correct in our theology. Paul makes a statement I thank my God, I pray in tongues more than you all, not to be all theological, but to try and get you to understand, guys, that this is something that every believer should do so that you can edify yourself, praying in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit. That's the part that gets everything the Spirit is saying. And the only way to finally get this thing to be able to come in alignment is to pray in the Spirit. So this morning at 4.30, I got up. And I went into my study and I went through my notes and changed one or two things and I put my worship music on and I began to walk in my study and I just said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you. I surrender to you this morning. I worship you and I switched to tongues and I just prayed in the Spirit and I walked up and down and I thought about all the years that I've prayed in the Spirit for hours and hours and hours and hours Listen, in English, my vocabulary is only capable of praying for about 10 minutes. But in the spirit, I can pray for hours and hours. In the beginning, nothing's happening. But like this morning, I'm praying nothing. I'm not feeling anything. Nothing's happening. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. praying. All of a sudden, something changes. My mind that's been thinking about coming to church and thinking about what we're going to have for lunch and thinking about what we're going to do tonight and all this stuff, suddenly, all of a sudden, just switches. Switches. And now I'm able to see. That's how I planted this church. One morning I was praying and God gave me an open vision about planting a church in Vero Beach. That's how it happened, guys. What did he do that day? He gave me a secret. Amen. You cannot receive this unless you have been born again. You cannot be filled until you have inherited salvation and been born again because you can't be filled where you have no life. Your spirit has to be born again and then has to be filled. And when you are filled, there are two things that will happen. You will see the power in your life and you will hear the speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, are you not saved? No, of course you're saved. You got saved the day you got born again. You are saved. But there is so much more. Why would you want to leave it out? Speaking in tongues is not some weird mystical thing. The Bible says that when the spirit comes upon you, you will speak. Your spirit will speak. Well, you know, Pastor Alex, I can't get the words. That's your problem. You, you're right, you can't get the words. Well, you know, I don't know how to make the sound. You don't have to make a, a the sound doesn't matter. One of the the guys that I walked with for many years in the ministry, one of the most powerful spiritual men I've ever seen, his first words when he prayed in tongues was, blah, 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 blah. That was it. Man, he became a spiritual giant, and his spiritual vocabulary changed. When I prayed with him many years later, I would sit and listen to him and think, man, this guy sounds like he's speaking about 24 different amazing languages. His spiritual language is so mature, but he started out with just one little sound. You see, when you speak spirit in the spirit, you speak with your spirit. What does the word spirit mean? Breath. So when you begin to pray in tongues, this morning I saw it. I'm praying for them, and they're going like this. What's happening? They're doing it, it's happening. The Holy Spirit has come upon them, they've been filled, and it's pouring out. Now, what do you have to do? Speak. Speak in tongues. Speak. Well, what if I can't kno- You don't have to do anything. Well, you know, just repeat after me. Just say what I say. No, I don't want you to sound like me. You must have your own language. Your faith. Your faith. Because the word of God is true. This is for all of us. At the end of Peter's sermon, he says, this is for all generations, for now and for all the age and the age to come. This is for all of us. If you are saved, there is only one requirement. You have to ask. That's it. There's nothing else. Just ask him and he will fill you. Amen. So, in our series on praying, I think this is one that's really important. The believer is called to pray in the Spirit. And you'll read this many times in Scripture, but Paul's the only one that actually tells us what that is. It's praying in tongues. That's what it is. He said, 1 Corinthians 14 14, if I, my, if I pray in the Spirit, if, if my Spirit prays, if I pray in tongues, my Spirit prays. That's what he says. Amen. Now, this evening, we have an anointing service here. Tonight, we're going to worship, and then I'm going to lay hands on the whole congregation. I do this about two or three times a year. So come out, and if you want to be prayed for tonight, that's fine. But if you want to be prayed this morning for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is for everyone... I want you to come forward and receive it this morning. The first service, we had a whole bunch of people and every one of them prayed, every one of them. And it didn't take hours, it was like this. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I've given you the word, guys. Now you have to believe it or not. It's up to you. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I want to ask is there anybody this morning, don't be afraid, that says, Pastor, I can't wait anymore. This is for me. Raise your hand real quick. Come on. Many hands going up. Amen. All right. I'm going to call you guys up in just a moment, but I want to close the service so the rest of you can go home. Come back tonight for the anointing service. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you want to receive what I've been sharing this morning, listen, if you haven't done it, you must come forward. Don't wait for tomorrow, because the devil is a liar, and you know he doesn't like it. I showed you that this morning, okay? So I'm going to release you. The rest of you, come forward. Begin to come forward now, in fact. If you want to get prayed for, come forward right now. Don't be afraid. That's it. Come, come. Amen. Amen. That's it. Keep coming, keep coming. Many of you. Come on, give them a clap. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be with you in a minute. I'm going to close the service for the rest of the congregation. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you thanks, praise, and all the glory. Lord, I thank you that you have done everything perfectly. I pray, Lord, that the enemy will not be able to steal this word this morning, but that it will be firmly planted in the hearts of every one of us in this place. I pray, Father, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and fellowship with the Spirit be with each as they leave this morning in the name of Jesus And all God's people said, bless you. And we'll see you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.